we've turned the page into this new year and we're three months now into the year 2020, but we're also turning into a new decade and it's the 20s again. It's the 20s again and I just want to declare prophetically that the roaring 20s are back again. Most of us remember being in American history class and talking about this. This was an amazing time in history. 100 years ago, it was a time of euphoria in the nation. And when you dig down underneath it, you can quickly see why. World War I had ended. World War I lasted from 1914 to 1918. And listen, in World War I, 22 million people died. And in addition to the 22 million people that, that died, another 22 million uh, were injured in the war. So 44 million lives were affected by this conflict. And so when the war ended, of course, euphoria began. And so some describe the time like this, that it was an era of outrageousness. America threw a party that lasted for an entire decade. And everything was changing. For the first time in the American history, more people lived in urban areas than in rural areas. The economy doubled in America. The wealth of the nation doubled from 1920 to 1929. Everything was just kind of moving rapidly. And what was a very regionalized nation before the 1920s, all of a sudden became a harmonized nation. And one of the things that con contributed to this was the radio. Uh, the first commercial radio station in Pittsburgh came online in 1920. A few years later, there were 500 commercial radio stations across the nation. And by the end of the decade, 12 million homes had a radio. And all of a sudden, on that radio, people were hearing, for the first time, nationwide advertising campaigns, something that had never happened before. And so when nationwide advertising happened, a consumer culture was born in America. Before the 1920s, people didn't think about uh, what they wanted to buy. They thought about working hard. Um, they thought about saving what they had. They thought about being thrifty. And they thought about earning their way to a better life. But all of a sudden, because of the economy, people started thinking about things that they could buy. There was this mass culture that was the byproduct of this movement. And everyone in their homes, whether in California or on the East Coast, could be listening to an advertisement for the same kind of vacuum cleaner or the same kind of you know, washing machine. And all of a sudden, there was this new modern convenience that would create more leisure time and give everybody more margin in their lives. Henry Ford, he did the unthinkable. He made it possible to automate the process of building an automobile in 1924. Um, you could buy a Model T for $264 in America. And this made Americans mobile. And again, began to change everything about our country. The chain store wasn't invented in the 1920s. So people could go into the same store in various regions of America and buy the very same thing. Music was exploding. Culture was exploding. Politics was exploding. Everything was exploding in the 20s. The 19th Amendment was ratified, giving women the right to vote in America. And yeah. And the 18th Amendment had been ratified, declaring prohibition across the land. But when prohibition was declared, it didn't really solve any problems. That just surfaced some of the deeper problems in the human heart. Because all of a sudden, 
bootleggers were a dime a dozen. Uh, the speakeasy came to life in the United States. And with uh, the bootleggers and prohibition, Al Capone, and the, the mobster culture took over the cities of America, it was said that Al Capone had 1,000 guns on the street of Chicago, and that half of the police force were on his payroll. And so the cities became violent. When prohibition became the law, there was the Red Scare. This was a reaction against communism, a big movement called nativism, and immigration was the number one political idea of the day. Americans wanted, a lot of Americans wanted to close the borders, and we were all about people who were white and had their heritage in the United States of America, and this was colliding with what was happening in the Great Migration. African Americans were coming um, out of the South into the North and up to the Midwest, uh, to the Northwest, which was called the Great Liberation. The Harlem Renaissance was afoot. Jazz music was taking over in the culture in cities like Chicago and Los Angeles, New York, Paris, and Sydney. But the problem was, once again, what was good news for someone just shows the problem and the peril of the human heart across the board. Because people in the heartland in some of the small towns, they didn't like these people coming up from the South and the world was getting into this global mentality where the same slang was spoken in every part of America, the same songs were being listened to in every part of America, the same radio programs, the same dances were happening across the nation. The Charleston became a thing, right? And everybody was doing the Charleston, and that was all well and good because it was the Roaring Twenties. The problem was the Charleston originated in Charleston with African-American people, and all of a sudden, white people were doing the Africans dance, and a lot of people didn't like it. And so while there was a great freedom and a great culture shift that was happening, African-Americans were right at the heart of it. And in the heartland of America, the KKK grew like never before. Hundreds of people were added to the roles of the Ku Klux Klan. And so as our nation was throwing a party that lasted a decade, the hearts of people were what they always were. And while everybody was declaring this euphoria, um, there were still issues underneath the surface. And so probably the, 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 the symbol and emblem of the 20s was the flapper. The ladies um, were, were taking center stage and the flapper was a woman who had cut her hair short, God forbid, and was wearing a short skirt. And now you're thinking, yeah, I know what you say when you say short skirt, but I'm talking about a short skirt. And she was out smoking and drinking and, and carousing and saying unseemly things. And it was just a sign of the times, so they say. And so fads were a thing. The marathon was born. If you've ever been to a rockathon or a dance-a-thon, uh, you owe that to the 1920s. Um, there was a, a marathon of every kind. Flagpole sitting was a thing. Anybody remember that? That's the big thing that people were doing and apparently it was a big deal. Uh, Freud was huge. He took center stage and psychology and thought and self-improvement books found their footing. The movies were pre-code. That means that they were silent films. But in time, there came the first feature-length movie with sound in 1927 called appropriately The Jazz Singer. And it revolutionized the motion picture world. There were 20,000 movie theaters in America by 1926. Think about that. 57 million people went to the movie theater weekly in 1927. Uh, nine, um, by 1929, 95 million people every week 
we're going to a movie theater. Art Deco took center stage. There was a big exhibition in Paris in 1925, and it was the big thing that everybody was highlighting, a new design era that was kind of launched to lead us forward on multiple levels. Um, Scott Fitzgerald coined the term the Jazz Age, and then he wrote The Great Gatsby in 1925, and we all know that story. Nick Carraway moves from the Midwest to New York to become a bond trader, um, and he moves in next to Jay Gatsby. And Jay throws a gigantic party every night of the week, and Nick Carraway is trying to figure out how his Midwest values fit in with a world that seems to be exploding in materialism at every level. And so finally he gets invited to the party and the worlds collide and he's left to sort out the differences between morals and materialism, between an inflated world and the real issues of the human heart. Sports all of a sudden have a footing. Why? Because people have leisure time and a little extra cash in their pocket. Nobody had time to go to a baseball game before. They were trying to survive a nation that was at war. But now everybody had a little extra time and so baseball became the flavor of the day. Names like Babe Ruth and Shoeless Joe Jackson and Lou Gehrig. Um, these were the names around in the 1920s. Boxing took center stage. Um, that was like the low, 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 low man's um, you know, sport before. Um, but Jack Dempsey came along and was the heavyweight champion of the world for an eight-year run in the Roaring Twenties. And the world celebrated him and America became the epicenter of boxing. Golf was a sport for the uber rich, but now by the end of the 1920s, 89 cities in America had a public golf course for the very first time where Joe Average could go out and learn to take up the sport. And then the economy, what can you say? Harding became president at the beginning of the 20s and everything doubled every single year. Everybody was making money, everything was margin, everything was getting better and better and better. But Harding died suddenly before his term was up and Coolidge became president and he saw an unprecedented increase as well but the problem was everybody was buying into this overheated stock market on borrowed time they were buying on margin and leveraging into an overheated market in October 29 1929 it all came to a screeching halt at the great stock market crash of 1929 within 30 days somewhere between they didn't even know it was so this kind of explosion 700,000 people and 1.3 million people lost their jobs in a month and that crash led to the darkest decade in the history of our nation called the Great Depression, which lasted from 1929 until 1941. And it was said about America at that time that the 1920s was the response of a nation weary of war and ready to have some fun. I mean, think about it. In, in 1927, 100 million records were sold in America. That's what's happening across the nation. It was a decade of optimism, a time, a time when most Americans thought that tomorrow would be better than today, but culminating with the Great Depression, it was also the end of innocence. So let's start asking the question, okay, we know about the flappers and we know about the prohibition and the women's suffrage movement, we know about art deco and jazz, we know about the movie industry, but what was happening in the church? 
Where were the great preachers? Where was the great spiritual movements that were happening? What great revivals were happening? And so if you began to dig and search, lo and behold, the results uh, pool is very small, but the leading evangelist of the era was a man named Billy Sunday. And Billy Sunday was a professional athlete. He had ended up giving up that career because he wanted to preach the gospel and see people come to know Jesus. He had this burgeoning ministry in the 1919s, but this is what was said about Billy Sunday in the Roaring Twenties. His audience grew smaller during the 1920s as the Sunday crowd grew older and religious revivals became less popular among the people and alternate sources of entertainment appeared. So we're going into the 20s again right now and in the rear view mirror if we look back a century and we take stock of the 20s that were it almost feels like we're reliving that moment all over again and as we now turn the page into our 20s and we now move into what will be undoubtedly a defining decade in our city in our nation and in the world i say it is time that the roaring 20s are back but not the euphoria of a nation this time it is time for the lion of the tribe of judah to roar for the lion king jesus to roar again the roaring 20s a lion roars for three reasons the lion roars to declare its territory, a lion roars to declare its pride, and a lion roars when one of its own is far away to let them know how to find their way home. And it's time again for the church to wake up, for me to wake up, and for you to wake up and realize that the world needs to hear King Jesus roar. The 20s are an era where the world needs to hear and our city needs to hear the roar of a great king of grace and a great king of truth. And if he's going to roar, guess who he's going to do it through? Us. Us. He's going to roar through you and he's going to roar through me. Um, when you look at the book of Daniels, you see such a significant and amazing and astounding life. And it says about Daniel in chapter 6, verse 16, it says, Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. And the king declared to Daniel, quote, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you, end quote. In, in other words, when we look at the life of Daniel, we see what the aim is, I believe, for the decade ahead. And that is that the world hear the lion roar. And when we say that we need to hear the lion roar in the 20s and beyond, I'm not saying that we have to get louder. Um, we're talking about boldness that is rooted in belief. Amen. Boldness that is rooted in belief. What the world needs right now to see bold followers of Jesus who are living for something that matters, who are bold about their faith, not necessarily the loudest guy in the office, not necessarily the loudest person on the block, not necessarily the loudest person on the campus, nor the loudest person on social media. It's the boldest person in the office, the boldest person in the neighborhood, the boldest person on campus or in the classroom, the boldest person in the family, somebody who's anchored in a belief that God is God and there is no other. And so 
When the captives were dragged out of Jerusalem and into Babylonian bondage, they only took the best of the best, and Daniel made the cut. Um, That means that he was among the brightest, the most gifted, the most articulate. He had the most potential. He had the look. He had the goods. He was top shelf, top of the class, um, front of the line. And so here he is in Babylon. Daniel is a man of faith. He's a man of integrity. He's a man who's filled with love for the one true God. His life is a mirror reflection of Yahweh, and he's proved it time and time and time again. His abilities are off the charts, but his faith is never wavered, and those around him are jealous of his position and his favor with the king, and so they set a trap for him. And the trap is, if anybody bows down to any other god besides the king, that person is to be thrown into the lion's den. It's voted on, it's signed and sealed, it's a done deal, and Daniel knows that, but he still goes home that day, and he throws open his his window and he bows down towards Jerusalem and he prays to the God who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the rulers who made the decree, they were there to witness the event. And so they drag him before the king who actually likes Daniel a lot. And they say, hey, you remember Daniel? You remember him? And we caught him in the act. He was praying to another God who isn't you. So he's going to go in the lion's den. The king, he loved Daniel, and he tried and he wrestled all the way, you know, to sundown to see if he could find a way to get Daniel out, but he couldn't. And so it ends up, they put him in the lion's den, and his last words are, may your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. You see, what was happening here was more than a human trap and circumstance, and it was more than a predicament for Daniel. What was happening here was that God wanted the Babylonians to hear the lion roar. And he needed a medium. Sound always needs a medium, right? Got some scientists in here. Sound is a wave and it's transmitted through a medium. That medium can be solid material, it can be you know, liquid, it can be gas or plasma, but sound has to have a medium to be heard. You can't hear sound in a vacuum and if a lion roared in a vacuum, you wouldn't hear it. And so God said, the Babylonians need to know me. I need a medium, Daniel, and you'll be my man. You'll be transported from your place to their place, but you'll be faithful and I'll honor you and I'll raise you up. And then you're going to be the medium by which the roar of King Jesus travels to the kings of Babylon and ultimately to the ends of the earth. So what happened? The king, he didn't sleep much that night. And it says at the break of the day, verse 19, the king arose and he went in haste to the den of the lions and he came near to the den where Daniel was and he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, oh Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually, see that again, whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? And Daniel answered, yeah, good morning, king. I mean, why, how, how do you honor someone who just threw you in a lion's den? Right? Because you were in there all night with a God who's so far above the one that threw you in. 
right? And, and you give honor to the king and you say, oh, king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him and also before you. Oh, king, I have done no harm. Well, the king was overjoyed and he gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. The next verse didn't work, verses didn't work out too good for the people who put him in the den. And then if we skip down to verse 25, it says, King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and he rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions, so this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius, in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. It was declared, the God, the Lion, the tribe of Judah has dominion. A medium called Daniel allowed the roar of the living God to echo through Persia and throughout all of Babylon. Now, there were witnesses that there is a living God who is greater than any other God from the king's mouth himself. And it is time again for Daniels to rise up in this world and in this city and in this church, in your company and in culture and in every sphere at every turn and at every crossroads. And it is time for Daniels to rise up who are bold. And their boldness is anchored in their belief that there is a great God who is worthy of praise and he is gonna keep me. The three takeaways, really quickly on your notes, going into the 20s roaring. Number one, the world is desperate for a roar. And if we're not careful, as the people of God, we're just going to fall in lockstep with everybody else and we're going to end up doing the dance and using the slang and talking the talk and just blending in with what's happening all around us. And I, and I mean, look, it's an amazing time to be alive. It's the roaring, it's the roaring 20s again. I don't, I, don't, I don't know if you looked at your 401k at the end of the year, but it was a good year. Unless you're a really bad investor, you crushed. It, it was a banner year, better than the last year. It was the best year since the year 2009, kind of off the charts historically. But are people's souls at rest more? No. They just bought more stuff, right? Took more vacations, went more places, threw more parties, did more stuff. Did that solve any marriage problems? No. Did that make anybody sleep better at night? No. <laughs> did, the, did that cure anybody's anxiety, fear, or depression? No. Did that heal anybody's heart? No. Is it better than the Great Depression? Yes. But it doesn't answer the big questions of meaning and significance. We've come through the greatest economic expansion since the Roaring Twenties, but yet suicide is at the highest rate ever in America because there is no correlation between the great Gatsby and the soul that is at rest. And the city needs to hear grace roar. The city needs to hear meaning roar and significance roar and steadfastness roar and truth roar. And the church going, hey, isn't it great to be alive? <laughs> but here's the thing. 
We've got to wake up and understand that even though the economy is good and the culture's moving, everybody's got a voice. Expression is going off the charts, but people still need to hear King Jesus roar. The second takeaway for me is those that trust in Jesus, or if you want to write Aslan, <laughs> will not be disappointed. You can be in a den of lions and he will be your rescue. Daniel was not disappointed. Now, if you, if you read all the way to the end of your Bible, you're gonna find some Daniel stories that didn't work out like Daniel's. In fact, if you read through the, even the great hall of faith in Hebrews, it talks about the legends of our spiritual heritage. And so what about them? There were some of those, you know, uh, where, were they, where was Aslan, you know, when they were thrown into the arena and persecuted by the powers that be, because that was part of that story. And I'll tell you, Aslan was roaring through them when they stepped into eternity. So you will not be disappointed. A third takeaway is, if, is you build now for the future that you want later. Listen, you can write this down. I guarantee you that after 29 comes 30. <laughs> and after the party was over, after the 10-year party, then the big 3-0 hit. And you remember the stories? It's like, oh, I guess I better put some roots down. I guess I better figure out who I am. I've, I've got to stop running from my past. I've got to get a reboot. I've got to start, stop spending and start saving. I've got to start cultivating. I need an identity. I need a purpose. I need people. I need a city. I need a plan. Right? Hello? We serve an eternal God, a God who was and is and is to come, yet we live sometimes like we're disposable. We're on a disposable planet, but we are eternal creatures. And we're connected to an eternal God, so we've got to start thinking with a little bit broader vision at some point, right? That this is a great time to start thinking with a broader vision. You don't wake up in one day um, and just become a Daniel. You don't want to hit 30 and say, man, I don't know what all that was, but I need to be Daniel. You don't hit 40 and go, man, that was nuts, but I need to be Daniel now. No, Daniel didn't wake up on the day that they threw him in the lion's den and become Daniel. Daniel was Daniel when they brought him out of Jerusalem. When he came out, he was already strong in his faith. When he got to Babylon, they tried to make him eat the king's diet. And he said, well, no, we don't eat like that. Our God has already given us a path and a plan. Give us 10 days. We'll do it our way and you do it your way. And let's see who's better at the end of the 10 days. He already was building faithfulness over the years of life. He didn't become Daniel one morning. He became Daniel every morning. And it's time for somebody here who doesn't like the direction that your life is going to change the path that you're on. Don't wait for some hocus pocus or some feel good able to sort everything out. It's as simple as saying, this path isn't taking me where I want to go. Therefore, whether I feel like it or not, I'm changing my path today and I'm changing direction today and I'm changing my directory today. Not just for a short New Year's resolution. I'm talking about trajectory shifting decisions that land you in another stratosphere 20 years from now. That you make today because you understand the decision that you build now makes a future that you live in later. We need a revelation. I, I don't believe Daniel threw open the doors towards heaven knowing that a death sentence was over his prayer and prayed to the God of um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because he was resolved to do that. I think he did it because he had a revelation that his God was king over all kings. You, you, you're talking about the king of the jungle, right? 
the lion that roars, I'm going to ask the band to come up. We're going to get ready to, in just a minute, to, to close and, and continue our worship. You're talking, you, you mean the king of the jungle, right? And so that, actually the answer to that is no. Did you know that lions don't live in jungles? Sorry, <laughs> horrible, sorry about that. The whole in the jungle song is lies. <laughs> lions live in grassy, arid, dry desert lands with little scrubby bushes, brushes and, and, and scrubby trees. And when they roar, you can hear it from miles away. So how do we start today? Well, it starts with the question, is the king living in you? Because you can't roar something that you don't have. You can't roar the voice of Jesus if you don't have Jesus. Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, next sentence, in the flesh, I live by faith. That's the boldness rooted in belief. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In other words, there's Christ's life in me. That's the start. Today, you're going to be roaring. And if something's going on in your heart, you're going to roar. It means you go from just cruising through life to going, I know who Jesus is, and I believe who he is, and I've come to know him personally, and I've been touched, and I've been filled by Holy Spirit, and I'm now alive in Jesus Christ. It's, a, it's like a light that gets switched on and you go from just being a normal person in the landscape of humanity to being someone who is alive and fully purposed. And I'm telling you, some of you going into the 20s, you don't need to worry about being a big roar and a medium for Jesus yet in the city, you just need to get switched on. You need to, to go from, you know, kind of just going through the motions and knowing about Jesus and occasionally coming to church and getting switched on by faith and really knowing who Jesus truly is because the roar starts there. I want to close with this invitation and then we're going to worship as loud as we can and we're going to roar as loud as we can. But God is calling you he is calling you to be a Daniel. And you're going to lean in today. And I want to, and I, and, 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 and I, I just want you to sit down. I want to shift and become an influencer. You are called to be an influencer. Did you know that? You're called to be a disciple, which is an influencer for my generation. Maybe today it's just that you need to hear Jesus roaring. And you find your way back home to the pride. Maybe you've never known King Jesus and he's roaring for you today, or maybe you've just drifted uh, off far, far somewhere down the savannah, but you can hear him roaring for you today. The prophet Hosea said it this way. Hosea is a story all about unfaithfulness and adultery. It's a mirror of how we walked away from God and that Jesus came and found us anyway and he brought us back. And it says in chapter 11, it says in the end that God isn't gonna forsake those that are his own. It says, they shall go after the Lord and he will roar like a lion. And when he roars, his children shall come trembling from the west. They shall come trembling like birds from Egypt and like doves from the land of Assyria. And I will return them to their homes, declares the Lord. And did you know that a lion isn't feared because of its bite? Its bite is a very average bite 
650 pounds per square inch. You're like, I don't even know what that means. Well, your bite for comparison is 160 pounds per square inch. And your dog's is 260 pounds per square inch, depending on the size. 650 pounds per square inch is the lion's bite. And you're like, is that good? Well, a hyena lands at 1,100 pounds per square inch. A jaguar, 1,500 pounds per square inch. A hippopotamus, you wanna stay away from them, 1,800 pounds per square inch. The fiercest of all, the Nile crocodile, 5,000 pounds per square inch. It cannot roar, but oh my goodness, you do not want it nibbling on you. So you don't need to worry about Jesus' bite right now. You need to be thinking about his roar. A lion's roar can be heard from five miles away. 114 decibels, which is louder than what is allowed at any concert venue in this city. I heard an account of workers at this game reserve on the border of Kruger National Park in South Africa. And they had these uh, four brother lions in the territory. And one morning they found three of them together. And as the sun came up, they did what they did. They're looking around and they realized that one of their brothers wasn't there. And all three of them started to roar. And they roared and some time went by and out of the silence, way, way in the distance, Brother Lion roared back. And when Brother roared back, the rangers were on the radio. They were talking to each other about what had happened. And the other rangers said, I'm very near Brother Lion. In fact, I heard the other lions roar and I can see Brother now. He just got up and he immediately started moving towards the sound that he heard. Lions are phenomenal in this capacity. And then they said he moved uninterrupted and without turning. The ranger followed him at a safe distance and he was advancing without turning to the left or the right, which is normal for them. They'll cross paths, you know, that they would normally take. He crossed paths, rows that he would normally walk down, but he never wavered one iota for the next hour. He walked directly into the company of his three brothers who were now sleeping from two miles away. He knew exactly how to find home. Would you stand with me? God is reaching for you going into this new decade and he's calling out to you but he needs a medium church and the medium the bible says is the lion of the tribe of judah who is in us his name is jesus and he roars grace and truth and he says you might be two miles out but he's roaring can you hear me because His loudest roar was the one that he roared from the cross when he said, it is finished. Amen. If you hear that roar today, he's saying, oh yeah, I I do roar to stake out my territory. And I do roar to stake my pride, but I'm roaring right now so you can hear your way back home. He's roaring with scars in his hand and in his feet. Do you want to come home? Do you want to start a new decade for the King of Kings? And for some of you, he's roaring this morning and he's saying, I need a medium it is you. It is time to take that light from out from under that bushel and to shine bright and to roar like you've never roared before. Father God, thank you. 
Thank you for who you are. We just declare your goodness this morning. We just declare, God, your rescue this morning. We have so much to celebrate for what you've done in lives in this church and in this community. You are good, good God. We want to hear the lion roar. And God, we say this morning, do it through us. Let's walk into these 20s with a roar and bring back the roaring 20s in a new way, in a prophetic way, that we carry the roar of the lion with us in your mighty name. If you're here for the first time this morning, we might as well do this right now. Close your eyes, everybody in the room, bow your heads. I wanna invite you to come. If, if you're hearing the roar this morning, this, this day was all for you. It's all for you. If it's a comeback to the tribe, if it's a comeback to the, to the den, this is for you. If you've never known Jesus in the line of the tribe of Judah, this is for you. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And there is no other way that we would like to celebrate than to see you come back into the fold, into the family, or maybe for the first time this morning. If you want to say yes to Jesus or resurrender your life with nobody looking around, just me this morning, raise your hand up high in the air. We want to pray and we want to agree with you this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Let's pray this together, church. Father God, I give you my heart. I give you all that I am. And I surrender my life for yours. In your mighty name I pray. Amen. And amen. Come on, somebody celebrate this morning. We're going to worship our way out of here this morning. You guys, um, we've got some blowers that are up here on the stage. Would you guys just say, Steve, you rock. Steve, you rock. And so if you feel like you're missing a blower, party blower in your life this morning, the, these two guys are going to be pulling, pulling these around. Uh, raise up your hand up high in the air. And let's uh, go out of this place this morning with a loud roar.
Sing it like you've never sung before. Let's sing it out loud. Father, make us real. Let's get in the right key first. Grow. 
It's just beginning, guys.